You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. All right, so we're excited to reconnect with our next guest. He's been with us a couple times since then, but one of my most memorable interviews with him was at the Bloomberg 50. It was last December. We were all excited to, you know, sort of be at this big party. Uh, It was a different time. Feels like about 100 years ago. Boris Jordan, executive chairman of Curaleaf, part of the Bloomberg 50, back on the phone with us. Boris, how are you? What's life like for you? It's all good, you know. It's um, it's been a tough, uh, been a tough uh, few months there navigating through COVID, and uh, I have to say I'm most proud of our employees at Cureleaf who've been on the front lines, you know, managing these stores during very difficult times, uh, and doing a great job because they've had to deal with you know um, demand and customer traffic that was actually much higher than what was prior to COVID. How much and higher was it? Job. Hey, you know, Boris, how much higher was it? It was substantially higher, I, 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 and it's continuing. That's what's interesting. We, you know, we thought maybe this would only take place during the period of COVID, but uh, uh, we've seen a substantial increase in foot traffic. Um, we've also seen substantial increases in in um, uh, basket sizes. So basket sizes in some of our states almost doubled uh, in size from what they used to be, uh, and foot traffic is up tremendously. Um, I would say that... Okay. Um, we're I, seeing over 30% growth. That's what I wanted to know because, you know, we love numbers. So the foot traffic and the basket uh, increases, can you just say that again? Yeah, yeah. foot traffic and basket increases uh, together with revenue all about 30% uh, quarter over quarter. Wow. wow. And so yeah. uh, obviously a, a bit unanticipated as everything was about this pandemic. I mean, tell us what's what's driving that. So one of the things that we've noticed is is that we're seeing a new customer come into the stores now, um, an older customer uh, dealing with um, uh, things like uh, you know stress, uh, anxiety during COVID, uh, wanting to get off of uh, uh, prescribed drugs uh, from you know from um, uh, uh, drug companies and moving on to more natural products, and so we've seen a huge surge particularly in the sleep aid category, wow. uh, you know, lozenges, tinctures, um, uh, gummies, that kind of thing, helping particularly the older folks uh, uh, deal with the uh, COVID stress and anxiety. And that's been a really new customer base. I'm, I'm not kidding you when I tell you that we've seen customers over 80 years of age coming into our store buying these products. And that's a new thing for you guys? Yes, I, I yeah. Uh, generally, the medical side. So, we, as you know, we have two different lines. We have right. the Cure Relief line, which is a wellness line, and Select is adult use line. Generally, the Cure Relief line does see an older, so it's sort of an average of fifty-two years of age customer. But we've seen a much older customer coming into the stores. We've seen people in their late sixties, seventies, and I said even eighties coming into the stores and buying sleep aids as a whole. And I think sleep is going to be a major, major category on the wellness side of cannabis. I think you're exactly right. I mean, we're seeing that more and more. I mean, Ariana Huffington certainly was onto something when she uh, started talking about that a few years ago. So, Boris, what did you have to do in your retail locations? Because as foot traffic increases, you know, that used to be just like, hey, great, there are more people. But now in the age of COVID and the age of social distancing, what did you have to do and, and, and how much did you have to do 
to change so out we your stores. Lucky, yeah, we were very lucky that the governors uh, really went out and, and, and liberalized some of the rules. So one of the things we had to incorporate is online ordering. Mm-hmm. So we incorporated online ordering in all of the states. We did curbside pickup in all of the states. So people really would order online. They'd pay. We now have five of our states are using debit cards, which is a new product for cannabis. Some it used to be all cash. Right. Now we're seeing more and more banks accepting debit cards and payment processors. And so debit cards, and that's one of the reasons we're seeing the increase in basket size. Because in the past, if you came to the store with $100 in your pocket, you could only buy $100 a product. Mm. Now you're coming in um, with a debit card. You've got a bigger balance on a debit card than $100. You can actually buy more products. So, so the debit cards actually helped a lot. So it was really curbside pickup. It was, it was online ordering. Um, it was, it was, you know, social distancing in the stores. So we had to add, we had to do all the things, you know, add the plexiglass right. in all the stores. Uh, we had to control traffic, all these things, because traffic was extensive. I mean, it, our New Jersey store processes over a thousand customers a day. Wow. So, Boris, is it fair to say that from a regulatory perspective, especially when it comes to payments and things like that, were there things that were accelerated owing to the pandemic and some of the rules that had to come into place, maybe things you had been looking for before that maybe happened a little more quickly? Yes. Again, it's happened at the state level. The federal level hasn't done anything right. yet to to help the industry, but the states did because they were concerned about the well-being. They, I mean, cannabis was made essential um, uh, service, and therefore they were concerned about the well-being of both the people working in the stores uh, and the company as well as the patients. And so the states liberalized these rules, working together with the cannabis companies in their respective states and finding ways to m- deliver these products in a safer way. And that's what we were able to do. Well, obviously, in the beginning, it was sourcing all the masks. It was sourcing all the – I mean, we converted our Kentucky CBD facility into making, you know, um, the, the hand sanitizers. Right. Uh, right. Because we, we could not find enough on the market to supply all of our stores nationally. And so we converted one of our facilities in Kentucky that was making CBD products to make hand sanitizers. And we started shipping them all over the country to all of our various retail locations. As well as our, uh, our, as well as our grow facilities and our processing facilities where people were making the products. We have a minute left, and then we're going to do some news and come back and, and talk some more. But I do wonder, Boris, that I know on the state level, as you said, they you know kind of upped up you know and, and, and made some regulatory changes to make it easier for you guys. Um, actually, you know, we'll come back and we'll talk about that when we come when we come back on the other side. Um, you're listening to Bloomberg Business Week. We are talking with Cureleaf Executive Chairman and Co-Founder Boris Jordan. So we'll ask him, because I am curious, Jason, about whether or not some changes on the federal level right. also pick up some momentum uh, yeah, as a result. Yeah, those accelerate be, you know, along the same lines that he was just talking about. Yeah, no, it's good. And I also want to know whether M&A may accelerate, because they just did another deal, yeah, uh, and they are growing closed. fast. And uh, that was one of the things we talked a lot about with him uh, last December at the Bloomberg 50. I want to get back to our conversation with Cureleaf Executive Chairman, co-founder Boris Jordan, uh, joining us on the phone in Russia. I'm curious, you guys just closed a deal, but I wonder if you are constantly on the look, um, Boris, for acquisitions, especially when I feel like the stronger cannabis players are certainly separating themselves big time from the weaker players right now. There seems to be a a bifurcation in the market. I mean, I, I... would prefer to just talk about Cureleaf. I mean, Cureleaf has made a decision during this period of time to to double down on our bet. Um, assets are much cheaper during this period mm-hmm. of COVID, as well as a lack of capital available in the market. 
And so we have been very much uh, very acquisitive. We'll be closing the grassroots transaction over the next week, which was uh, announced last year. It's a very large transaction, 11 states. Uh, that will bring CureLeaf to 24 states. It will make us the largest company, not only by footprint, market cap, but also by revenue and profitability So in the United States. So we're, we're very, very pleased with that acquisition. As you know, we made a smaller acquisition today in Colorado that we closed. Right. Uh, we'll be announcing another smaller tuck-in acquisition next week. So we're taking advantage of, uh, you know, sort of the weaker companies right now that, are need, that need to sell certain assets in order to keep going, and we're acquiring those assets at very attractive valuations. But that but just to follow, I mean, there's a lot out there, right? Because we are seeing kind of fallout. Yeah. There is. There is. However, Cureleaf is now at the size where it's becoming more difficult for us. There's a lot of states that have um, restrictions on how much you can own. And so there's quite a few states where we can no longer make any acquisitions. Mm-hmm. We're the largest player in most markets that we operate in. But in those markets where we're not, and there's a few of those two or three states where we're still number two or number three, and those states don't have any kind of restriction on acquisitions, we're making those. So for instance, Arizona, we're making acquisitions in Arizona. We're looking at Nevada. We've, uh, as I said, we did made an acquisition in Colorado. We just made an acquisition a month ago in, in Connecticut. So where we can add assets and where we're allowed to, from a regulatory perspective, we're doing that. So let's talk about the federal level, Boris. I mean, this is something that I think it's fair to say, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, has been a source of uh, maybe some frustration for you. You know, no real movement on the federal level in the United States around legalization or, or really even some clarification, I think, that you guys have been looking for. What's the latest there? Obviously, the country is dealing with a, a couple of massive crises, but what are you hearing? What's the latest when it comes to the next steps on the federal level? Well, I think that, um, as I said, there's a difference between the, the states have done everything possible to yeah. uh, continue to build out. The, the, the federal level really has been silent. Um, there is some there is some uh, discussion right now that part of COVID-4, uh, that there will be the SAFE Act, which would allow banking. Um, uh, you know, we know that McConnell is still very resistant to that, uh, but we understand it's being attacked, uh, being attached to a rider, which also provides some kind of banking enhancements for the private prison industry. And so that's one of the reasons that it might go through. Uh, but, you know, we just don't know. Um, I think, though, that the, the time that we really will get it is probably this time next year. Mm. And the reason for that is, is that we're going to either have a new administration uh, in the form of, 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 of Vice President Biden, who has now come out with his program, and he's openly stated uh, that he is prepared to reschedule cannabis for medical purposes, and he's prepared to pass States Act, which would allow the states to determine whether or not they want to have recreational cannabis or not in their states. And that's a major change from his previous positions. As you know, he's been an um, anti-drug warrior and against the, the liberalization in cannabis. So, so we were encouraged by his statements um, of yesterday. Um, but otherwise, and, and, and with, with, if Trump wins and, and, and we continue to have a Republican administration, it's our view that, you know, with New, you have to say New Jersey and Arizona have a recreational cannabis on their ballots. In both states, it's overwhelmingly positive and it's over 50% support. So we're pretty confident that both New Jersey and Arizona will pass adult-use cannabis. Now, if New Jersey passes adult-use cannabis, then New York and Pennsylvania almost have to go that way. They both have medical programs. Right. But, you know, with, ha- with, with, with recreational cannabis in New Jersey, they're going to be forced to do it. So by, if that happens by this time next year, I think we're going to be talking about 80% of the population of the United States will have access to recreational 
cannabis use. So the federal government will almost have to be forced to reschedule cannabis and to regulate it. Right. They're going to have to do something. They're just going to be forced to. And and as you know, we have budget deficits in every state, so they are moving because of that. I wish they were legalizing for different reasons because it's very beneficial and has a lot of positive attributes to it. But the fact is we do have budget deficits in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania, almost everywhere across the country. And cannabis has been a great revenue generator for those states that have legalized it and have had it operational for two or three years. They're seeing very substantial growth in revenue uh, from those businesses for state coffers. So I think that's going to put additional pressure for legalization. And Boris, just uh, about a minute or so left, what are the downsides? Any downsides of this pandemic other than just sort of maybe some of the difficulty on on the retail side? I mean, it's terrible to say that, but for our industry, it's been been quite both accelerated our learning experience, accelerated liberalization. Um, Customers, new customers have become uh, acquainted with cannabis. So it's really worked out well for us. Obviously, the biggest issue has been keeping our employees safe. Right. And, and right. I have to say that the company's done a great job for doing that, and we've had very, very few people uh, um, have to leave for illness reasons. But that has been the biggest issue for us, is keeping our employees and our patients safe. All right. Well, we appreciate your time. Uh, it's the middle of the night, I think, for you, so we really appreciate it. Boris Jordan, Executive Chairman for CureLeaf, joining us on the phone from Russia. You know, one of our go-to voices on this industry. And, and look, uh, kudos to the Business Week team for identifying him as one of the Business Week mm-hmm. 50, um, the BW50 last year, because it has been, and obviously nobody anticipated what would be this accelerant, as it were, uh, as Boris just described. But it, it's been good for business. Well, especially as you've seen so much fallout among some of the maybe smaller players, yeah. uh, it is interesting to see some of the stronger ones like Cureleaf continue to do acquisitions and really kind of cement their position.